The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Why is it that organized religion seems to be more a problem than a solution for what's wrong with the world these days? In our last election cycles, the, the Brexit vote in England, the vote for Trump in the U.S., and yesterday the vote for President of France were largely uh, based on how these three populations, raised in the Christian tradition, feel about immigrants from the Middle East and Africa raised in the Muslim tradition. Our country and the entire European Union have been thrown into a kind of paranoid chaos by emphasizing the political aspects of two religious schools of thought, both of which claim, ironically, to be founded in the uniting mystical principles of God's love. Well, my take on it is that God's love has way too little to do with organized religion today. Rather, it's the social, cultural, and political elements that attach themselves to religion distorting the fundamental roots of spiritual truth and exploiting people's fears instead of cultivating their love. Our guest today, James Bean, has been exploring the love side, the mystical side of religions, for many, many years. James is the producer, writer, and host of Spiritual Awakening Radio, a treasure trove of spiritual writing and thought covering practically all things mystical in the study of comparative religion. In truth, it's the mystical side of all religions that maintains spiritual truth against the exploits of political schemes and manipulations. James has examined the mystical aspects of the Christian faith, much of it preserved in meditations of the saints and in Gnostic writings, mystical aspects of Islam preserved by the whirling dervishes of the Sufi, mystical Judaism as preserved in the Kabbalah plus all the mystical aspects of Hinduism and Buddhism that lured seekers of the 1960s in this country to make pilgrimages to India. James, welcome back to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. James, it seems one thing a mystical religion's religious insight ought to include is a, is a recognition that near-death experience is a window into heaven, both for the experiencer and for those who hear the stories of experiencers. And I know one of the religions you've written about are the Mandaeans, who use light imagery much as NDEers have experienced it. So tell us about the Mandaean take on mystical faith and their connection to John the Baptist. Yeah, the Mandaeans are one of those groups like the Yazidis in the news as being uh, harassed by ISIS in Iraq. And that's, of course, just the latest round that goes back to Saddam Hussein and various Gulf Wars. And so they've been really bothered, you know, like the Syrian Christians and and others in that part of the world, uh, one of those persecuted religions. And many of them have tried to immigrate to the United States and Europe and Australia uh, in recent years. Uh, They are an ancient sect. They speak Aramaic, a dialect of Aramaic called Mandaic, and have wonderful scriptures. Uh, I've got copies of a lot of their scriptures that have been translated into English. Uh, they go back to John the Baptist. They seem to be 
a part of the old uh, Nazarene movement, which sort of is related, I, I would say, to Essenism, the Essene branch of Judaism, mm-hmm. and John the Baptist. Um, and they seem to me, from closely studying the history of them, to be a, a group of followers of John the Baptist that didn't sign up to the Jesus movement, but were a faction that didn't sign up to the Jesus movement, uh, exactly, and eventually they moved from the Transjordan area, they migrated to Iraq, and continued to practice baptism by immersion in big rivers. Uh, they tried to find an equivalent to the Jordan River, and they ended up baptizing people and living near the Tigris River and the Euphrates uh, in uh, Iraq, and uh, they're, they're, they've been in Iraq for Almost, uh, well, almost uh, 2,000 years, mm. a little under 2,000 years after they migrated, but it's related to Judaism and Christianity and Gnosticism, and they have wonderful scriptures that are very out of this world at times. Uh, in an article I wrote on the Mandaeans, uh, I included this uh, ancient NDE. I, I even titled it "Embraced by the Light." <laughs> you know, mm, absolutely. After, <laughs> after Betty Eady's book, which describes this soul crossing over, and there's this uh, angelic being that is acting as uh, escort, and it's it's like an ancient near-death experience found in the Mandaean text. Now, of course, the Mandaean texts are very visionary. Uh, and that's an old tradition that goes back to Judaism, uh, the Dead, Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, Book of Enoch, and Songs of the Sabbath Sacrifice. It was, it was kind of a thing in, in mystical Judaism 2,000 years ago to describe visions of heaven, visions of the heavens. Uh, Ascension of Isaiah is another apocryphal text. I, I specialize in apocryphal writings, the lost books of the Bible, and all of these old writings, and there's some good good stuff in there, good good material. Mm-hmm. And so, visions of heaven is kind of a thing, to, you know, in the in the Mandaean texts as well. And uh, there are some encounter, uh, accounts in there that are like ancient NDEs, which makes perfect sense. If near death experiences are real, then they happen in the east, in the west, north, and the south. The, for people who live in the Middle East, uh, North America, Europe, India, Asia, all around, and not just in the present time, or the or beginning with the 1970s with uh, Raymond Moody's Life After Life, <laughs> but mm. in ancient times, you know, throughout the history of humanity, and that in- includes the the Mandaeans of the Middle East. Uh, so n- nothing new under the sun. Uh, mm-hmm. Near death experiences or are uh, part of history, you know, part of humanity. It's just a matter of finding out, you know, some... We're lucky, in the in the case of um, the Mandaeans, they wrote down a, a few of these accounts in their scriptures so we can know about them, you know, even now, if we happen to get our hands on a, a translation of some of their writings. Right. The um, uh, Oftentimes we hear NDEers come back and say that they were in a beautiful field uh, with... Uh, with Glowing flowers and uh, beautiful radiances and and of course angels and the like. Are there any descriptions? How how parallel are the uh, Mandaean descriptions of heaven to this? 
Well, the Mandaean scriptures, uh, they're very focused on the supreme being, or God, or the highest of heavens, and so they talk a lot about bright light, that God is light, the soul is light. There's one description in the Mandaean text of souls uh, kind of floating in this heavenly realm, and they're able to uh, hear each other's thoughts, kind of telepathically, you might say, Mm-hmm. And, and each soul is, is like a light, a bright light. Uh, and the, the light of one shines on the others. So it, it, when, I, when I read that, it reminds me, I'm into astronomy too, and I, I find a lot of parallels between astronomy and, and mysticism, spirituality. You know, yes. uh, inner space versus outer space, and sometimes there are parallels between the two, or as above, so below, <laughs> as, as it were. Uh, there, there are, you know, descriptions that talk about souls, uh, that are very bright light, like stars are. Mm. In the, like, in near the center of the Milky Way galaxy, stars are very close to each other, so they just kind of shine upon each other. And this Mandaean text was describing souls in this heavenly realm as have, of being made of light and shining on each other, <laughs> like, like stars close together in some cluster in the, in the Milky Way. That sounds uh, Egyptian in a way. Uh, the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians talked about the souls, at least the souls of the pharaohs, going off into space and becoming like stars. Yeah, yeah, and that's really for, for all of us, too. So yeah, mysticism is... You know, I, I tend to really like those uh, egalitarian saints that say we are all that. You know, mm-hmm. we're all, uh, you know, children of God, and all we're all in on that too. Every one of us. Before the show, I looked up Mandaeans on uh, Wikipedia, my go-to, right, <laughs> the right. easy, the, the easy source. One of the things they mentioned as a fundamental tenet was uh, of Mandaean worship was dualism. A cosmic father and mother, light and darkness, right and left, and uh, I, I wonder, I, I wonder if that came out of uh, any teachings of John the Baptist, or whether it's just a, you know, something that evolved with their their way of thinking. Well, yeah, uh, the origin of the the teachings uh, that's always been debated by scholars uh, about Gnosticism, generally speaking. Where did it come from? Uh, as I read all of those texts get, and have gotten to know them, I would say that Gnosticism is a very Jewish thing, uh, Jews getting exposed to uh, Platonism or Greek thought, you know, and mm. so Gnosticism is like a, a soup of um, Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures, Judaism, and you add Platonism or Greek philosophy to it and stir and maybe add some Zoroastrian uh, teachings or influence as well, because the Zoroastrian religion had that great emphasis on the children of light and the children of darkness, uh, kind of a, a, the good God, the bad God, the God of light, the God of darkness, battling it out. And so you mm-hmm. just add all of those and stir together, because in ancient times everyone spoke Greek, so the Greek language was kind of like the Internet, as was the Library of Alexandria. It's kind of like a like an attempt at a world wide web. You know, people of each religion reading the scriptures of other religions and uh, beginning to communicate with each other and cross-pollinating, sharing ideas. Mm. 
St. Augustine also with his Manichaeanism before he became a, a devoted a devout Christian, devoted uh, devoted his time to this no- notion of light and dark and right. uh, e- the equal struggle between good and evil. Right. Yeah, that's the theme. And then the New Testament, too, the children of light. You know, walk while you have the light, become children of the light. You know, uh, you are the light of the world. Or Gospel of Thomas, uh, there is a person of light. Uh, within a, there's a light within a person of light and it illuminates the, the whole world. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a theme right in the, in the New Testament and, uh, the Essenes, they, they call themselves the children of the dawn or children of light. There's a big light motif in all of these, uh, texts. God is light and going, the, the brighter the light, the more heavenly mm-hmm. it is. Uh, the, the higher you go, the, the brighter the light, the closer you are to God. So God is light, and darkness is sort of, well, for some it's sort of like another God, but you might just call it the absence of God. Darkness is the absence of light, and so kind of you could say the absence of God. So when they talk about there being seven heavens, do you, as you go from heaven one to heaven two to heaven three, are you approaching the light? Is that is that how that works? Yeah, brighter, the light is brighter as you ascend, uh, go from one heaven to another. And that's a big part of the, the teachings too in the, in the Mandaean Gnostic faith and in other forms of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is sort of like a, like a, another name for mysticism. And so it turns up in different traditions. So you've got uh, pagan Gnostics, Christian Gnostics, Jewish Gnostics, almost Catholic. Gnostics too, the like Clement of Alexandria. Some of those church fathers had their own uh, uh, form of mysticism or gnosis as well. Mm. And so it, it, it's kind of the same teachings, only in wearing different garbs or clothing. Uh, you know, but it's kind of the same, kind of the same thing. And uh, the view was that there are several heavens, and the goal is to ascend through these uh, heavens on the way back to God again. And so they had this elaborate uh, understanding of what heaven number one is like, heaven number two, heaven number three. Uh, St. Paul in the New Testament uh, believed that he uh, made it to the third heaven and saw and heard things that he couldn't reveal to people generally. Mm -hmm. So he had that same system. And he called the third heaven paradise, and one day I was reading in the book of Second Enoch a description of the third heaven, and the book of Third Enoch also calls the third heaven paradise. And I thought, aha, Eureka, this is some sort of Jewish teaching that Paul knew, knew about, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of understanding that the third heaven is called paradise. Would paradise be Eden? Is that the, the physical presentation of of uh, heaven the beautiful well, fields and so forth yeah yeah and that's in in the mystical literature eden or the, or paradise is still there uh as opposed to being a kind of dried up tourist trap in iraq probably with bomb <laughs> bombed bomb craters and you know not yes. in the best of shape these days not that it was ever in too good a shape but rather than that uh, yeah, Eden is described as this realm that still exists, and so 
in, in the mystical literature, like the books of Adam and Eve, um, you know, the fall of man, you know, is kind of like another way of saying that souls left this third heaven and incarnated into bodies here in the mm. physical world. And so that's the fall, you know, going from there to here uh, and noticing a change. Like in the books of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve didn't know they were naked because they were glowing. They were, they were these beings of light that glowed. And then something bad happened, or you know, original sin, call it what you will, and the light dims. And then, oh, we're naked. We're in, you know, and so there's kind of a, a change of location. And mm. in the mystic tradition, Judaism uh, as well, in mystical Judaism, and the Book of Enoch, yeah, the there is a there is a higher Eden that's not a physical place, but is a heavenly realm that still exists, and it's this idyllic paradise kind mm. of place. A member of my congregation, whom I've actually had on this show believes that we're all uh, fallen angels trying to work our way back to heaven. And that description of, of falling from a spiritual body to a physical body right. it would be would parallel that notion as well. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels. Basically, it's the soul incarnating into a body. And so there is a sense of fall, of going from a higher realm to a physical realm where life is short, life is tougher, and, you know, so it's, and, and dimmer, you know, kind of tough times here in the physical realm. So the, mm -hmm. so we're like in a, a lower place than we were. Uh, and so the goal is to get back to paradise again or beyond. And, right. and that's part of the spiritual journey, too. It's kind of a full circle, you know, the soul leaves the heavens and then wants to go back home again, and then there's this journey back to God again, going from forgetfulness to remembrance, you know, mm -hmm. and, and wanting to make this uh, trip back to God again, or, you know, take up the spiritual path. One of the things they said um, in Wikipedia about the Mandaeans is uh, the souls portrayed as an exile, a captive. Its right. home and origin are the supreme entity to which the soul eventually returns. And I was thinking, our individuality, you know, what we, what makes um, James James and Lee Lee is something that may, if we ultimately merge into the light, that that uh, individuality might, might be lost as we rejoin God. Is there any teaching on that in the Gnostic there, tradition? There, there is. Well, actually, in the path that I follow, which is called Sant Mat, which is sort of another form of contemporary Gnosticism based out of India, uh, which is sort of a cousin to Kabbalah and Sufism and ancient Gnosticism and some of the Christian mystics. You know, I kind of see all of those as cousins of one another, monotheistic uh, faiths with the same basic view of the cosmos. There is... Um, there's a description of the different heavenly realms, and one in, in, in one of them, the soul can merge into God, kind of disappear, in, you know, kind of like the drop merging into the ocean and losing its individuality. But then the soul can choose to reconstitute itself. The, you know, the drop leaves the ocean and becomes a distinct drop again, or mm. bubble, or distinct, you know, unique 
individual somehow in the in the heavenly realms. So there's a, a level like that. One of the heavens is described as being like that, where, well, in, in one of the heavens, the souls are just all individuals, like stars or sparks of the light. But then there's this level where you can merge in God, try it out for a while, if you will, kind of dip dip your uh, dip into the pool, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then come back on out again. Uh, so there's a lot of freedom, it's, you know, free will, go, all the way into the heavens, <laughs> being right. described there. But the ultimate stage, the ultimate level is God, and, and at that level there's just God, there's just the ocean. And so mm-hmm. I guess we have that choice if we just want to lose our individuality and become the ocean, or try it out for a little bit. Or just stay separate souls and say, I like being me, thank you very much, I think I'll continue. <laughs> you, you can do that too. So really there'd be, in, in that sense, two levels of reincarnation. You could come out of God and reincarnate as a spiritual James or Lee, or you could go further and reincarnate into a body and be somebody else. Yeah, the souls can live on other other heavenly realms, um and, and are living their lives out, or yeah, and coming to the the physical plane, and yeah, I, it's really kind of um, it, it's kind of de-evolution. The whole creation of the universe is kind of a de-evolution. If souls are living in this perfect realm, the perennial question is, well, why would they leave? Why would we, you know, if everything is just fine the way it is, a, turf, a, a totally perfect heavenly realm, why create a physical world, time, mm. space? tragedies, karma, law, you know, and the and souls living separate lives. But I, I, guess, I guess there must be a wisdom that we gain from leaving perfection uh, and just doing our own thing for a while. And when we come back to that heavenly state again, uh, we are, I don't know, more appreciative of it, or we have free will, and so... You know, the only way to 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 know they they say they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. So hmm. I guess the whole universe is an exercise in making the heart grow fonder. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, there's nothing like an encounter with a with a an evil existence to uh, make you yearn for the light. Right. You know, it's like uh, you're used to living in a mansion, and then all of a sudden you're living in a cardboard box. In an alleyway, mm-hmm. and that mansion starts to look pretty good. You know, you're no you're no longer gonna take it for granted or shout at the hired staff saying, "Where's my tea?" You know, that's <laughs> that's gonna, true. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna really appreciate that mansion. Of course, then there's Buddha who, you know, the uh, who left the the perfect palace to to be with the poor and the sick and the elderly, and and he gained wisdom from that. Yeah, that's part of the same, that's the magic of that story, the Buddha leaving the palace, discovering uh, people get sick and die and are poor, and a lot of tragedy going on out here when you leave the, the palace grounds. And mm-hmm. the Hem of the Pearl, one of the Gnostic scriptures, is like that, too. The the soul leaves the kingdom in the east and goes to Egypt and forgets itself, uh, eats the, the food, drinks the wine, forgets its mission, and then eventually gets reawakened again and makes the journey back home again. Mm. So there is um, paradise, paradise lost, and then 
paradise regained in the end, going back home again. Right. I When I opened the show, I was talking a little about how uh, organized religion seems to be more political these days than mystical. And uh, one of the things they noted in about the Mendeans was that there was great secrecy uh, among the initiates and, um, the, you know, the you had to aspire to learn the wisdom of of the you know the deeper meaning of religion and a lot of religions have been that way a lot of a lot of religions uh, gnostic religions and and uh, pagan religions have emphasized that this the, the the important stuff won't isn't given out freely and i wonder do you do you think maybe this is one reason why the mystical side of religion hasn't been emphasized enough in uh, in religious practice today. Is this why we're not we're getting more politics out of our religion than we are uh, truth? Right at the end of the Rio Grande River, there's just like a few slimy drops left. It's all all the the fresh water is drained away, and you know not too much left. Um, there is a kind of secrecy. Uh, there's a kind of secrecy in the teachings of Jesus too. You know, it's just par- parables for the masses, and I'll, and the disciples get the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the hope is those those masses will graduate from parables to you know wanting a deeper, more more uh, spiritual type path. But sometimes it just gets lost in in the world. In Christianity too, on Mount Athos, there are all these monastic communities and. So there's kind of the secret good stuff in Christianity, too. Um, you know, the good stuff for the monks and crumbs for the masses. Uh, hmm. And sometimes, because it's so secret, yeah, everyone says, what spiritual tradition? We don't have a spiritual <laughs> tradition. You know, right. you, you vote for the right political candidate, life sucks, then you die. And there is no here, <laughs> there is no kingdom of God now, hmm. uh, no spiritual life. Just wait for the second coming. Look, look busy and hope that Jesus is coming. No, no. it's so it's so difficult to get uh, mainline churches to acknowledge the reality of near death experience and and incorporate what's learned through NDEs into their teachings. You know, it, it all begins and ends with the Bible. And even though Paul probably learned a lot about his theology from his near death experience, and that came after the Bible. Uh, I mean, he uh, he incorporated a lot of that into uh, into what became a, a worldwide religion. Uh, it just seems to me that there ought to be uh, there ought to be some acknowledgement that this is an ongoing tradition. The near death experience can produce a, a lot of knowledge for those who are interested. Yeah, there should be a recognition of continuing revelation. Uh, you'd call it and. There, there used to be in the evangelical world an interest in near-death experiences. At first, I, you know, I remember seeing you know books about near-death experiences talked about on the Seven Hundred Club with uh, Pat Robertson, hmm. and so there has been a little bit of openness to that, but uh, kind of hit and miss. But yeah, religions shouldn't really be totally frozen in time and unable to learn new things. You know, Charles Darwin did some good stuff. You know, I mean, <laughs> we've got it. science. You know, it's all it's all good. Learning is is a good thing. We need to be lifelong learners as individuals, and religions need to be lifelong learners too as traditions. Right, right. Yeah, Isaac Newton tried to combine uh, 
religious faith and, and science and uh, yeah. explored the Bible co- code as a result of all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just different ways of trying to see the same greater truth, and uh, yeah, we need to be open open to that and not stuck in tradition, locked away, you know, frozen in time, unable to learn. Otherwise, we just end up with flat earths, hollow earths, six thousand year old earths, and you know, get stuck in in crazy cults, and you know, mm-hmm. truth is holy, you know, and, and whenever we learn, discover what truth is. That brings us closer to God, whether it's, you know, through astronomy or spirituality or science. You know, whenever we get closer to the truth, we're getting closer to God. So truth yes. is holy. Yes. Well, James, we're just about out of time for today. Uh, uh, perhaps you'd like to tell the audience how they can find Spiritual Awakening Radio. Ah, just go to my website and follow the, the links, uh, spiritualawakeningradio.com is my Great. website. And at Facebook, I have a Facebook page, just facebook.com forward slash Virtual Awakening Radio. Terrific. Well, I want to thank our guest, James Bean, for his explorations of mystical truth and for his spending the time with us today. If uh, you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IONS and our upcoming conference in Denver, Check out that website, IANDS.org, and tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.